Welcome to Teaching Without Losing It. What I'd like to talk about today is gaslighting. Um, if you aren't familiar with the term gaslighting, it comes from a play and a film that was made in 1944. Um, the story is about a husband who tries to convince his wife that she's insane so he can steal from her. What he does is makes her consistently doubt her own perceptions. Um, and back in uh, this time, lights were uh, fueled by gas. And so he would change the settings on the lights and tell her that, you know, it was something different than what she was seeing and such. So as a result, she began to assume she was crazy and he manipulated her in that way. The reason I bring this up is because um, we are in a profession that gaslights us. And I want to talk about that from a teacher perspective. It even happens to principals. It happens to district level people, you know, all the way up to the state and the national government. So let me read you the definition on Wikipedia of gaslighting. It says gaslighting is a colloquialism that is loosely defined as making someone question their reality. The term is also used informally to describe someone who persistently puts forth a false narrative which leads another person or a group of people to doubt their own perceptions to the extent that they become disoriented and distressed. This dynamic is generally only possible when the audience is vulnerable, such as in unequal power relationships, or when the audience is fearful of the losses associated with challenging the false narrative. Gaslighting is not necessarily malicious or intentional, although in some cases it is. So I wanted to break this definition down in terms of how this affects us in the education field. So first let's take a look at the line that said it persistently puts forth a false narrative. That false narrative is we are responsible for the student's success. The students aren't responsible for the student's success. Their parents aren't responsible for the student's success. Uh, the government who deals with financially providing for those who are in, in poverty, they're not responsible for the student's success. We, the teachers, are responsible for the student's success. And that is definitely, without a doubt, a false narrative. You know, we have so many adages uh, in every culture that says things like, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Um, you know, in other words, we can do our half of the equation, which is teach and, of course, help. Um, but in the end, it does depend on the student's engagement with the material to learn, period. So right there, from the get-go, we're fed a false narrative. Um, that was not always the case. Um, I think in some countries it's still not the case. But in the United States, you know, this... Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? This responsibility switched from the student to the teacher after um, the No Child Left Behind Act was put into place. Uh, and then we got things like um, schools lose funding because their attendance isn't high enough. Um, that right there is a false narrative. That is the school's responsibility to get the students to come to school. It's not the parents, not the families. It's... Uh, it's, it's our responsibility, which is absolutely a false narrative. 
Okay, second thing, it leads people to doubt their perceptions of reality. I know that I've had many conversations with many teachers over the years who get really bent out of shape over this. Like, why is it my responsibility to make sure they pass? You know, why are administrators coming to me and saying, you know, what can we do to get this kid to pass? Um, you know, have you tried this? Have you, could you maybe, even though you've already let him take the test two times, could you maybe let him take it again and maybe give him some, some notes to do? And, you know, a lot of teachers are like, wait a minute, I've, I've done everything I can. So why is this falling back on me? They're trying to get us to doubt our perceptions of reality. We're trying to get us to doubt that it is their responsibility as the student, not my responsibility as the teacher. And, and it's to the extreme, you know, I'm going to talk about our role in this in a bit, but you know, I'm just talking right now about the extreme nature of this. Number three, they do this to the extent that they become that, that we, the ones who are gaslit become disoriented and distressed. I would most certainly say distressed. I know many, many teachers who are very upset that this level of responsibility is being put upon them and they feel like failures as a result okay and that is most certainly distressing number four this is only possible when the audience is vulnerable such as an unequal power relationship these are our bosses keep in mind or when the audience is fearful of losses associated with challenging the false narrative if we argue back is our head on the chopping block you know, worst end, we could literally get fired. Okay. Best end, we're now considered not team players. So I think all of this meets the criteria for gaslighting without a doubt. And to become a teacher, certainly in the United States means you are going to experience gaslighting period. End of story. You know, so it doesn't take a lot to figure out why so many people leave the profession in the first five years. Okay. They, they see it, they don't like it and they don't buy into that false narrative. Um, those of us who stick around and do, you know, you could throw us on the psychiatrist's couch for a while for sure. Um, but you know, the thing about it is, is if you want to stay in teaching, knowing this, there are ways to do that. And this is what I feel like I've been able to do pretty well over the years, because again, you know, I don't let this narrative govern me yet. I'm still a good teacher and I don't have issues with, uh, the people in my administration, you know, I'm respectful with them. They're respectful with me. Um, they don't see me as sort of a, an outlier who just won't get with the program. Um, so here's how I do that. Um, first thing is that I understand that I'm hundred percent going through gaslighting. I see it. I know it. I recognize it. And yeah, it, this is happening to me and my staff and every staff probably in an American school, um, on a daily basis. Um, some administrators are worse than others. I happen to work for a great administration who is run by a guy who taught for a couple of decades. So he understands the role of a teacher and he's very encouraging with us, but I've had administrators in the past who were, um, really good at this. 
and it was not pleasant to be with. Um, the second thing I do is um, when I teach, um, I do try to reach everybody and I use reasonable interventions. You know, if I have a student who's not doing well, I'm not just going to wash my hands of them and say, well, okay, that's your problem. Your learning is not my responsibility. Okay. I, I don't do that. I wouldn't do that. And most teachers I know wouldn't do that. Um, what I will do is I'll have a conversation with a student. Okay. So it seems like you're struggling. You know, what are you having issues with? What's going wrong? Um, I will um, talk to them about that. I will maybe come up with a, a brainstorming idea like, would it help if I moved your seat? Would it help if I gave you some guided notes? Um, you know, would it help if instead of um, calling on people at random, if you came up to me at the beginning of class and said, hey, today's a good day. You know, I don't mind if you call on me. Um, and maybe another day they give me a signal like, I'm having a really bad day. Please just don't call on me today. You know, I think those are reasonable interventions and accommodations, not just for your special needs students, but for all of them. Um, I teach high school. They are moody. Woo! They are moody. And some of them are going through some really awful stuff outside of school. And uh, I want to be sensitive to that. But I also want to, um, and well, and I would say, and in being sensitive to that, my goal is to further their learning, to help them to be successful. And that's really no skin off my back, those kinds of interventions. You know, I'm not breaking my back to, to change everything around for them. I'm just asking them, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's work here and see where we can get you to a better place. Um, the third thing I've done over the years is I have asked parents for help if I'm really, really stuck. Um, I try to handle as much in-house as I can uh, because the kids are with me. They're not with the parents when they're in school. So sometimes the parents are a little bit out of the loop when it comes to how their children are behaving in school. So, um, but when I really feel stuck, I will um, talk to the parents and say, hey, here's what I'm seeing. Um, you know, do you have any ideas that you know have worked with your uh, child that maybe I could use in class? Um, I also, as we all should, I document all contact that I make to home. That shows administration that you have attempted to uh, make a contact with home and that you are certainly trying to get this kid to a better place. Um, I would say the fourth thing I have done over the years is I really do try to do my very best job teaching and at the end of the day, I have to be satisfied with that. So, you know, not, not all my lessons are killing it. You know, some are fantastic, some aren't. But I know that I've tried my best that day. And if it, if it went so badly that I was really dissatisfied, I'll do it again tomorrow in a different way. So, you know, I'm trying and I'm doing the best I can. And that's going to have to be good enough. And I think the fifth thing I've done that has really helped me get my head around this is I've learned to be very real about what my consequences would be for not killing myself for the success of these children. You know, am I going to get fired if I've done two interventions instead of 14? Am I going to get fired if I've called home once instead of 10 times. Okay. I think the answer for most of us is no. Okay. Administrations want to see that you are trying. 
They want to see that you have lifted, at the very least, lifted a finger, if not a few, to help get your problem students to a more successful place. You know, it's not like teachers are growing on trees anymore these days. Um, it's very difficult in the United States to find new teachers because people just aren't going into it anymore. They have many other choices besides teaching, and teaching is difficult. It's difficult, and it's not a well-paid profession in the United States. So, you know, are they going to fire you because you aren't killing it? No, they're not going to fire you because you aren't killing it. Um, will they maybe keep a closer eye on you if there are consistent issues? Yes. But we also have things called improvement plans. You know, they, they're they going to do interventions on you. They don't want to fire you. Okay, They're going to do everything they can to help you be a better teacher. So be real about that. You know, this is not the gloom and doom situation that a lot of us make it out to be. You know, a lot of teachers are perfectionists and come into the profession with a lot of their own baggage as far as needing approval, being people pleasers and such. Okay, you don't have to be perfect to be a good teacher. You don't have to be perfect to uh, have the, uh, the praise and approval of your administration. Okay, they want to see that you're trying and that's it. So even though we are in a profession that hands down uses gaslighting as a way to get their needs met, not in means of the kids, you know, we know as teachers that the best thing for the kids is to allow them to fail and to learn from it. Okay. The people we work for, and I'm talking all the way up to the national government, they don't want that. They want pretty little numbers that they can show to the world, to the state, you know, to the county, to the district. Oh, look how many kids we had graduate. Oh, look how many kids we have uh, who have um, done well in math and science and all the STEM stuff. You know, they just want the numbers. They don't care about the learning. They want the numbers. And because of that, they continue to gaslight us so they get those numbers. All right? So although you're aware of it, don't buy into it emotionally and make sure that you are taking care of yourself. Thank you for listening.